Do not be moved by the things of this world, says the Spirit of grace. Do not be moved by the things in and out of the church, says the Spirit of grace. Look at your prototype. See how he moved and see how the apostles moved. They were not flash or flashes in the pan per se, as you would say. They were not moved by great emotion. Their services were filled with the emotion of those that were healed and those that were ministered to as in thanksgiving. But I did not need a chorus of emotion to solicit the power. Search the Scriptures, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. See if in any of those passages you find that I had to have any kind of ecstatic exuberance as people often feel is necessary to call and say God is moved. And yet there will be times when this will take place. But know this, that what many believe brings my presence is often shrouded by layers of flesh and emotions that profit nothing says the Spirit of the Lord. For those things that I've asked of you go deeper than human emotions. They go into realms of didymous power and the power of the Holy Spirit that change the lives. You will see dancing and ecstaticness and praises that will lift the roof in days ahead because my presence will fill and people will be healed and ministered to. But as you do know this and discern with a sharp two-edged sword, because Satan comes to lead astray, know this, that nothing of the flesh, no pushing of the flesh, will ever bring about the anointing that brings forth this outpouring. For some, that my son's ministry would have been too systematic for them. He preached the word, and then simply without any fanfare, healed the sick, caused the lame to walk and the maimed to be made whole. There was nothing in the emotion attached to it that brought my power. Only His internal walk in the Spirit with me as a Father was that which produced the anointing of every moment, says the Spirit of the Lord. And yet I've asked you to come with hearts of praise and worship and adoration and as you do, know this, that I will come 
in all these things, but never, ever distinguish and think that the volume of your voice or the ecstaticness of your body has anything to do with the power that will be brought forth in these last days, says the Spirit of the Lord. Let these things be a fruit, not a root. Let them be a fruit and not a root, says the Spirit of the Lord. Let all things be done according to my divine description and my description is in my word, saith the Spirit of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hola, Kalasata. Hallelujah, Jesus. Mohale Setieto. Mohale Esete. No, mehalo soto. Bedi kalasoto. Ha, mendi hotia ketiti. Molochle setiato. Too many churches and too many movements have lived off of emotion. They've lived off emotion. And yet, after the service was over, they could not live in the character of Christ. What they found as an exuberance in their emotions did not carry them past depressions, fears, anxieties, strongholds of the flesh, and even things of the flesh where morality was concerned says the Spirit of the Lord. For often ministers believe that through the excitement that they can bring to the emotions that something will be stirred inside a someone for change. But know this, says the Spirit of the Lord. The proof is as you would say in the pudding. The proof is in the residue of the after. Because if those things which are of this life, those things which are most emotional, bring forth the strength, then the proof would be and those who live afterwards would be the giants in strength morality and miracles says the spirit of the lord but often what is done at church is left at church says the spirit of the lord i do not come my miracles do not come in exuberance that's not the solicitation my miracles come in the answer of a husband to his wife in kindness my answer and my miracles come in how that you speak 
to each other, one to another, in loving kindness and tender mercies, apart from church. How that you speak the truth in love and will not allow a lie. Many of you, many of you watching and many here have spoken lies. And I've convicted you and you've said, oh, well, Lord, forgive me. Then I said, correct the lie. And you said, I will, but you have not. Do you not know that any time that you tell a lie, your first obligation is not only to come under the blood, but then to correct the lie to the person or to the people that you have spoken to. Because every lie lives and has its own life and will be repeated by that person to others. And your lie will be repeated time and time again. Character in my church and growing up in my church is where the sustainable miracles will take place, says the Spirit of the Lord. But I would rather bypass that, Father. I'd rather bypass the continual teaching of character change and growing up and just see exuberance and miracles. But I say unto you, look unto Mark. Look unto Matthew. Look unto John. Look unto the writings. Find the places where I needed Emotion to solicit power. Find those places and present your case before me, says the Spirit of the Lord. But I say unto you, the character growth by which I am coming to you, present tense, and continue to speak to you, this path will produce Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the earth once again, says the Spirit of grace. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. We welcome everybody that's watching and many of the family person or people in Tulsa um, who elect to have a Live service, have been used to having a live service. Thank you, many of those, for tuning in. Others are at uh, Jim Martin's, and you won't hear me say that, but God bless you, uh, either or. They're just good places to be. And, of course, Alan and Gary are producing their uh, Sunday morning messages on YouTube for you. Um, And so praise God for that. And so they're getting fed, and some of you are watching this morning. Thank you for joining us. And... uh, Praise the Lord for the ones that are joining uh, Pastor Jim and uh, his his ministry there in Dayton. We appreciate all that so much. Amen. This morning we want to talk for a little bit about contradictions and confirmations. Contradictions and confirmations. Hallelujah. Why don't you all say with me, contradictions and confirmations. 
because I'm convinced of this, the contradictions that are coming against us presently are some of our greatest confirmations. Hi, Bailey. She gets to be in here. Moms get to be in here sometimes too. Isn't that great? So our contradictions, what contradictions are you talking about? I'm talking about the different things that are coming present tense and even intensifying in many different ways, both of you watching and both everybody here, to try to confirm to us that the route that we are on is not the proper route and that the pathway that we're on is not the proper pathway, that there's a better way, or there's a more... Uh, complete way or there is a way that we're missing it in s somehow I'm like Lord really uh, I mean I don't mean to be sarcastic but uh, you mean I'm spending and I don't know maybe some of these other elders are too I I believe that as much as you possibly can we're spending all these multiple hours in prayer and fasting and then you're not going to tell us. And you're going to reveal to somebody else. Well, pastor, you're just a little bit blind. You can't quite. And why can't I? I mean, isn't tongue supposed to wake me up? Isn't fasting supposed to pull down whatever strongholds that I can't see? Pastor Dave used to say this. He said, I... <laughs> He came to a place, I don't know that I've arrived there, I'm not saying I have arrived there. He said when he got a prophecy, a personal prophecy from somebody, it depressed him. <laughs> he, said, he said he didn't like to, he said some people would like, give me a word, I need a word, tell me, tell me what the Lord's saying. He said, man, I'm spending all these hours, and then you got to come and tell me what he said? Now prophecy might confirm something that the Lord is speaking, like here's a second word to it. I might give you something like that, and many of you receive those kind of words. But if you're in any kind of level of prayer, the guy comes to, he was a prophet, thus saith the Lord. Don't get on your plane. That's back when Pastor Dave had planes. <laughs> he probably said some yays, because yays, you know, yays make it more spiritual, of course. I've tried, listen, and I'm getting better. Thank God I'm helping Sarah out. She doesn't have to, to correct so much. Um, it's just... It's not a Freudian slip. It's just, it is what it is. You 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 prophesy according, but if uh, you know, I'm prophesying more and more in English and not Old English. So hallelujah. Uh, so it doesn't take away from the anointing one way or the other. But it doesn't matter to the Holy Spirit if you say the Lord says versus the Lord saith. So I'm trying to get some King James out of there. Hallelujah. I can hear it either way. It's up to me how to say it. So, but the guy came to him, you're, you're playing. Don't take off. Don't, don't take off from the tarmac. I'm telling you, I saw in the spirit this plane crash. I'm telling you, Pastor Dave. And the guy, I guess, loved Pastor Dave. And Pastor Dave said, the guy said, so what are you going to do? He goes, I'm going to get my plane. I'm going to leave. <laughs> well, you're not going to do it. He said, oh, yeah. Because I, he goes, I've been spending time in prayer. And if he was going to tell anybody that this plane was going to crash, it would have been me. Do you understand? So, hallelujah. 
contradictions and confirmations, and I believe that this is a time, you, you see, uh, all of these messages are birthed out of prayer, and I know that you believe that. So what is a contradiction? Let me just tell you my favorite part of the Webster's Dictionary part of contradiction that I like as apropos to this message. There's about three or four different you know, captions on contradiction or contradictions, but a situation in which inherent factors, actions, or propositions are inconsistent or contrary to one another. I'll read that to you again. A situation, I kind of know about those, in which inherent factors, actions, or propositions are inconsistent or contrary to one another. We're looking at contradictions. We'll list some of those contradictions a little bit later in this message. But Hebrews chapter 11, turn there with me for a few moments. Go there in your Bible smart device or however you're reading the Word of God with us this morning. And we appreciate all of you once, I, once again, as I said, for being here with us. I'm going to follow my notes this morning because the Lord gave them to me early this morning. And I think they're worth following. Hebrews chapter 11 you know, this is the chapter of the Hall of Faith, the Hall of Fame of faith people, and it lists all the different ones. You got Noah and all of them in there, and all of, you know, the different ones of which uh, are, are heroes of the faith. And so uh, we're not going to go into all that. We're skipping all the way down to verse 13. And it says, And these, talking about Abraham and all these guys, these all died in faith not having received the promises. Now the promise here uh, is what it's talking about. Predominantly the promise was Christ coming into the earth. So what that is telling us is this, is that those that were before Christ and they were heroes of the faith, they believed and they confessed you know, what they were and what God had told them to do but they never received seeing Christ come in the earth. They were the Old Testament believers. Do you understand that? Okay. So these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them. How many are persuaded that we're going to receive this revival in fullness? And I love this word, confessed, that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. In other words, it's giving heed to the fact or the truth that these people that were of faith, they also confessed. They also had a confession about what they were doing and, you know, Abraham, where you're going? God's told me to leave. Abram, who are you? I'm Abraham now. Sarai, I am Sarah. I'm the mother of many nations. So God changed the words of their mouth to fit the belief in their heart. Do you understand that? He changed the words of their mouth to fit the belief in their heart. For they that say such things, everybody say, they that say. They that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. In other words, there was a confession in their mouth. It was a confession. And they were plainly saying that they seek something other, and that country was not necessarily another physical location, that country was a place in the spirit that God had told them to go to it and it, it was an inheritance they had an inheritance 
and that was their country. And they did. They did. Christ is, is throughout all of Scripture. Christ is preached from the very beginning of the garden all the way to the book of Revelation. So if you don't think that uh, the Old Testament saints didn't have an understanding that there was a coming Christ, you're sadly mistaken. They understood. They understood that there was a coming one. Even Job said, I, though, you know, it wasn't a great confession, though you slay me, it wasn't God, though you slay me, I know. Job said this, this is before, this is a contemporary with Abraham. Okay, this is before Moses. This is before the Pentateuch. This is before the, the books. God's knowledge of his coming Christ, he said, though, I, though you slay me, I know that my Redeemer, there he knew that there was a Redeemer coming. I know that my Redeemer liveth, and in the last days he'll, he'll, he'll raise me up. I know that my Redeemer liveth, and he is, he is coming again. Hallelujah. That's Job. It was all the way, their confession was all the way through the Old Testament. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. In other words, if they had kept, in, in other words, when Abraham left Ur of Chaldee, and he's going into, you know, to serve the Lord, and Sarah, and all of these, it says, if they'd ever had, if they'd kept it on their minds that there was a, a place back there. You know, that's what the Egyptians, or that's what the Israelites, after they were delivered from Egypt, they had it on their minds. It had to take 40 years to wipe that out of them. And that whole bunch had to die. But it's telling here, these people of faith, if they'd have ever kept it on their minds, there, there's maybe another way. Listen, there's no other way. Prayer, fasting, meditation change absolute change is the only way to go in if there's ever another if we keep a little handbag well i believe this but i'm going to pack a little handbag with me my little handbag is what i just believe 90 percent of what you're saying pastor but there's about 10 or 20 percent of me that kind of believes that mm, this is going to happen when it happens and really we just need to accept it and then we just, if we'll accept it, then it'll all take place. Change is not everything that you're making it out to be. If he can sow that lie, if he can sow that damnable lie inside of you, if he can sow it and if it'll ever come to fruition, then you'll be looking back. There's a land I just want to go back and then you'll go back into the same powerless bunch that just believes that God's sovereignly going to do it one day when he gets ready to do it. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. What it's saying here is they, they burned every bridge. They absolutely burned every bridge. Oh, no, I've been there, done that. Pastor, how long have you been serving the Lord? Well, I was a youth pastor at 16. And uh, so, I don't know, 40-something years. I've just about seen everything in the church that would come through. Been part of it, just about every kind of holiness movement. 
went through all the confession. Watch your words, watch your words. It's all about your words. And it is a lot. So when somebody approaches me and they found the answer, I think that was in my 30s. That was in my 40s. I've seen that in my 50s. It's a rollover. It's a rollover of an answer. But there's no mindfulness for me to go back. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So go to 2 Corinthians 4, 7. Gary's been ministering on this one particular verse in a little different direction, but I just wanted to bring this up, this passage, for the sake of contradictions. Because we're facing some. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says, For we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. For we're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We'll come back to that in a moment. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our what? Mortal flesh. How many of you want the life of Christ in your mortal flesh manifest? I mean, he's manifest. The blind see, the lame walk, the deaf hear. Hallelujah. This word perplexed, Paul said, we're persecuted but not forsaken, cast down. But before that, in verse 8, he says this, we're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in what? Despair. The word perplexed is aporio. Aporio. Aporio means this. It means to have no way out. I.e., for example, to be at loss mentally, to stand in doubt or be perplexed. In other words, you're looking and saying, wait a minute. I thought God said, I thought God said, go this way. But since I've gone this way, all the hell's come at me. If God is in it, the prosperity will flow. Every door will be opened. You should have told that to Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. When everything he went to do just slapped him right back in the face. Pastor, if we are on the right path, the crowds will be gathered the money will come in and the facilities will come and you'll be seen and known nationally on television. Now here's what I would do if I went to a city. If I went to a city and I was looking for a place to physically go to church, this is what I'd do. If I knew that there was a bunch of preachers gathered and they'd let me into their meeting, I would secretly go there and say, uh, is there any good Pentecostal holiness tongue talking churches around here? Yes. Work. You can come to ours. <laughs> They'd say. But uh, 
I'd listen for the scuttlebutt. You know what scuttlebutt is. It's the kind of the trash talk. It's the yeah, but. I'd listen for the yeah, buts. So is there any yeah, buts in your town? What do you mean, yeah, buts? Is there any guys that are kind of like overboard on what they preach? Oh, yeah. <laughs> such and such church is stuck on revival. Praying in tongues. How many of you guys like him? Half hands go. Usually, the guys, not always, because there's exceptions to the rules, but the ones that people don't really, are not popular. The most unpopular ones are the ones, usually, the yebbets and the scuttlebutt, is where you need to know, wait a minute, God must be working there. Because there's a contradiction. The contradiction is the confirmation. The, contradiction, the contradiction, shows, the contradiction shows that Satan is fighting to stop whatever God has assigned them to do. Oh, come on. Where's Callie? Come on, I need some. Say... <laughs> So find out where the war's at and run to the war. Thank you for that. Find out where the war's at and run to the war. Hallelujah. Now we have received contradictions of a late. And I'm just going to let, and, and I don't like to glorify contradictions. I just don't, I just like to kind of acknowledge it and just for, for the passing for the passing moment, just to solidify the, this message. One contradiction seems to be that revival has not yet happened. Uh, we've said we are on the edge waters, but pastor, it's not happened, so there must be a, a secret that you've missed here. There must be something that's not quite right. So there's one, con there is one, uh, seemingly undeniable that the crowds have not come, the blind have not yet uh, being healed on a, on a weekly basis, the dead are being raised. Although, uh, I will tell you this, last week when uh, Modesta called, her son was supposed to die, it looked like that day, and I prayed, and immediately he came out of it. And so, and that is the the story case with with many of you things are happening already secondly which seems to be one of notoriety is that our beloved leader which i would say our leader some of you watching may not know if you've j just joined us in recent months uh one of I, I would say the main person that we looked to as t a, a teacher I believe an apostle of faith was Pastor Dave Roberson who ministered many, many times in this building and many times I would go to, um, to, to the conferences out there and there were so many prophecies concerning um, where we're going and where we're headed and our beloved leader has gone home seemingly early, earlier. 
earlier. You know, I think, I think 80 is still too young. And, uh, but I can tell you this, if it, if, if it had stayed 50 more years, if it had stayed however long, already the legacy and the foundation that what he gave to the church through the, through the Holy Spirit was more than most men will ever deliver in a whole lifetime. The, listen, not only did he preach praying in tongues, but the revelation knowledge, him teaching the born-again trail, well, I see it, I see it. Yeah, you see it now because you're standing on the... <laughs> God bless you. Sure you do. Sure you do. Sure you do. Somebody prayed all that in, taught it all out. Sure you see it now. After 15, 20 years of somebody teaching it. Could you have prayed that in? Would you have lived a life dedicated just God... Oh, my God, I, my God, my God, my God, just, I can't tell you how valuable just breaking Romans 7 was. 5, 6, and 7 is, the, is probably the, one of the whole reasons why we'll ever be able to stand and have revival. Romans 5, 6, and 7. To understand and the way to understand without all any doubt that we're no longer sinners saved by grace to understand seven i wish i could i wish i had just i wish i could just download it unequivocally without all argument i mean without all argument you want a you want a great teaching on on romans dr jim martin does romans he's got like i don't know a 50 i don't know how many it's a, the study of the, and he goes verse by verse by verse on Romans. But one of the greatest things that ever set us free was to understand without all contradiction, and it's there, it's there in multiple places when you read it and meditate it, that without all contradiction, that Romans 7 was Paul taking the persona of an Old Testament unregenerated unregenerated without Christ man and arguing his case and saying this is why the law had to be replaced with something better it had to be superseded it had to be replaced because the things that I wanted to do I could not do and the things that I did not want to do I did because I had no way to stop it oh let's say me But he'd only preface that by saying that my old man in six, five, five, my old man was what? He was crucified with Christ. That the body of sin, my old person, he went to the cross with Christ. That the body of sin, what was that body? Dave called it the generator, the dynamo. It was your old sinful nature. That it might be destroyed. That part of you was destroyed. 
Now there's another part of you that has to be put off and put on on a continual basis. It has to be. It has to go through a change on a continual basis. But just breaking seven was enough. But there's a contradiction. Our, our wonderful leader went home prior to what we think. Every, here's a third one, every forefront person fighting right now is fighting multiple distractions. Nobody's got it like me. No, it's just nobody complains like you. You don't think I don't hide stuff from you? I hide all kind of stuff from you. Not moral sins. Battles. Because they're not worth talking about. You don't think I haven't hidden things? You don't think I haven't had even operations in my body? In the last 27 years? That I didn't tell you about? Just to keep on going? <laughs> but you didn't need to know. I've got it worse than everybody, Pastor. No, not really, sweetheart. Not really, honey. You just like to talk about yours more. You're more concentrated on it. That was number three. Number four. Our physical headquarters. Our headquarters basically was in Tulsa. If you haven't heard, the building was condemned and they can't go back in. They would own the property. Hallelujah. There was a prophecy given by Mawa. Not that I'm special, but there was a prophecy given by Mawa about three years ago in the building and said, on this property, in this location, not this building. Gary likes to bring that up because it's still not contradicted. It didn't say, the, pro the prophecy didn't say in this building, it said on this prophecy, in this, on this location. There's a revival that will take place. The building will be filled. Well, evidently it won't be that one. But there's a contradiction. How you guys doing? Well, we're doing good. You're doing what? You're going you're to have what? We're going to have revival. Has it happened yet? Well, in the spirit we've received it. But what's your proof? No. Uh, well, it's. You guys are a little off track. A little off track. Uh, well, okay, so you haven't received it, but what's your leader say about it? Well, he's, he's, he's gone, he's in heaven. Well, I'd like to visit your headquarters and talk to somebody up. We presently don't have one. <laughs> We're kind of like Abraham. I think there's something wrong. No, I think everything is right. Paul, if he got to visit us and say, my God, 
I kind of feel at home. Glory to God. Oh, by the way, the October conference, (laughs) they've canceled it. (laughs) Well, for the time being. For the time being. Etc., 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 yours, mine, theirs. We are in, or here to, what we're here today to do is contradict contradictions. Did you hear me? We're here to contradict contradictions. Well, let's start, first of all, by contradicting contradictions. I look at people are too passive on where Satan wants to stop them at. Now, you need to love people and love everybody and be kind. But when it comes to fighting the war, you need to be, you need to grow up get bulldog bulldog mean absolutely mean and go at it with a green-eyed aggression that says i won't quit and i won't let anything in me receive a contradiction miss gay would you come for a few minutes and just speak right in the face of contradictions and i think you need to stand with her and i for just a moment hallelujah We declare every captive to be free, every wheelchair emptied, every artificial help. They may need them when they come. They won't need them when they leave. We'll have them here as trophies to the glory of Jesus, our healer. All manner of sickness. And all manner of diseases are healed. First time, every time, all of them, no exceptions. Jesus, you healed them all then. You heal them all now. That's what we say. That's what we have. In your name, Jesus. Father, there are impartations of your spirit in this place we declare these are the most powerful the most anointed the most life-changing the most revival producing services in history fresh anointings fresh giftings like never before father It is you doing the works. Therefore, all things are possible. Soul, my soul, I command you, believe this. All things are possible. Soul, my soul, I command you, believe this. Amakli is in revival. revival. 
Amakli is in revival. And again we say, lost be saved, empty be filled, captives go free, sick be healed, blind see, deaf hear, dumb speak, lame walk, maimed be whole, dead live in the name of Jesus. For Father, thine is the kingdom, thine is the power, thine is the glory, forever and ever. Your will be done in Immokalee, just as it is in heaven, as in heaven, so in the earth, as in heaven, so in Immokalee. Immokalee is saved. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. May be seated. Hallelujah. Turn with me to Judges chapter 20. Oh, that feels good. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Breath. 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 That's not the Holy Ghost, but it's, it's wonderful. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, I think it's all right over here. Um, there's a fan there too, right? But yeah. Okay, Mike's thinking about doing it. Tell him that's a, that's a go. That's a go. Hallelujah. How, how many of you have seen your AC bills go up? Everybody. Everybody. It's not just, it's just crazy. I hope our governor does something about that with these people that gouge. Glory to God. This is one of my favorite go-to uh, stories. It's more than a story. It's a reality. Those of you who are watching, um, again, we are talking about contradictions and confirmations, that our, comp- our, our contradictions are our confirmations. And so we're looking at this, and I want you to follow along with me. I will tell you just in preface before we get into this, I don't know if I'll read the whole chapter or not, it's quite long, maybe by way of example, I need to, but I'll tell you that there's an atrocity taking place. We've gone through this before, we've read this, but it serves such an ample example of uh, our, you know, what we want to say today, what we're wanting to get across to you, is that even though God has commanded you to do something, and you take his command and you go into something, that, that does not mean that there is going to be immediate success. Does not mean that. There will be eventual, absolute, unequivocally, perfect success. Everything will be established. God will have the last say-so in everything. But if you look at it during the mix, if you look at it during the mix while things are still being uh, changed, transformed, and brought to fruition, you'll find out that things do not appear as if they were a directive from the Lord. Leading up to this chapter 20, there is an incredible story here. It's lot, a lot like the story of Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah. It's not the same story. It's a different story, but it's, it is the story of, and it's a gross story. I don't want to go into all the details. I've got to tell you enough. And, this is, and the person I'll be talking about is certainly not a character reference 
that the Bible is referencing here is somebody that is somebody to be followed. In fact, this person who is the main character was a Levite, and a Levites, of course, are people that men that were designated by God to serve in the ministry. And this man was a Levite. He had a, it says concubine in one place. Later it says his wife. Let's say it was his wife. And uh, she ran away from him. He went and got her. I'm telling you the short of this. You'd have to read the previous chapter. He goes and gets her. He's taking her back home. Uh, probably was mean and abusive, why, reason why she ran away. But anyway, she ran away. He takes her. And he's traveling back on a journey. He goes into uh, this town to spend the night. He's warned, don't go there, but he still goes there. And as he goes there, he stays the night with this man that asked him into his home. The man that's asked him in his home is fine, but the same, the, almost the same scenario of uh, when the angels came to Lot. You know, when the angels came to Lot, they came in there. When it gets dark, all the men of the city gather. They're all homosexuals. They come up, and they want to beat the door down, and they say to Lot, send out the men. Uh, the two, you know, they didn't know they were two angels. Send out the men so we may know them. You know what that means. And so the same scenario here. This man comes into this man's house. They're going to spend the night there with his wife. And uh, the men gather at the door. Now they are of, this is the town is uh, Gibeah, and uh, it is uh, of the tribe of Benjamin. And as you probably already know, there are 12 tribes to the nation of Israel. And Benjamin was the smallest tribe. Benjamin is also usually hooked up with Judah because they were really small uh, tribes. And they were tribes that um, they kind of got along with each other and they were part and partisan to each other's, you know, kind of uh, Judah. And I think Benjamin also were the only two tribes that stuck with um, uh that stuck with the nation of Judah, actually the southern kingdom, after the split between Jeroboam and Reboam, the two that were after Solomon, after the, those kings. But nevertheless, this city of Gibeah uh, was a city of much like Sodom and Gomorrah. As soon as it got dark, all the men gathered. They said, send out the men, the man that came to this place. The man, the host says, no, please take my daughter instead, sick. Um, and uh, the Levite offers his wife. Instead, they take her, and they close the door. They abuse her all night. You know what that means. She dies the next morning, or he finds her dead the next morning. Then he um, takes and cuts her body into 12 pieces, sorry, gross, and sends them to the different tribes of Israel and says, please, atrocity has taken place and would you please avenge me of this atrocity uh israel the you know the nation of israel sends to these men or sends to the city of gibeah and says just turn these guys over to us no questions asked we'll you know we'll execute them and we'll go on our merry way in essence and uh uh benjamin which was the overseeing tribe they they want to they want to act big brother they want to act tough no 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 those are our people and uh, no you're not going to take care of them um, we'll take care of them you know or whatever uh, but you're not going to come in here and enforce and they should have enforced and God was with them to enforce and take you know take authority over this whole thing and uh, so Benjamin which is 
a small, the smallest tribe, they, they raise up and they get righteous indignation. They think, no, we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're not going to turn these guys over. We're gonna, this is going to be a safe city. This is going to be a place where they can stay and be perverted and do their atrocities and whatever. So we pick it up, and we're going to pick it up in verse 1 so you understand the story a little bit. And then all the children of Israel went out. And the congregation gathered together as one from Dan to Beersheba and the, and the land of Gilead unto the Lord in Mezpah. And the chief of the people, even all of the tribes of Israel, presented themselves in the assembly of the people, 400,000 footmen that drew sword. Everybody say 400,000. That's a lot of men that are in army. I mean, that's a lot of men. Uh, you know, we only have servicemen, people that serve, cleric, clerical people, and everybody, you know, like a little over 2 million, I think, at this point in time. That's a lot of foot soldiers right there. That's a lot of people that today would be actually, you know, carrying a, an assault weapon. Now, the children of Benjamin heard that the children of Israel were gone out to Mizpah, then said the children of Israel, tell us, how was this wickedness? And the Levite, the husband of the woman that was slain answered and said, I came to Gibeah that belongeth to Benjamin. I and my concubine to lodge. And the men of Gibeah rose up against me and beset the house round about upon me at night and, and thought to have slain me and my concubine have they forced and she is dead. And I took my concubine, cut her in pieces, sent her throughout all the country and the inheritance of Israel. For they have committed lewdness and folly in Israel. Behold, ye are all Children of Israel, give here your advice and counsel. And all the people rose up as one man, saying, We will not any of us go to our tents, neither will we any of us turn into our house. But now this shall uh, be the thing which we will do to Gibeah. We will go up by lot against it, and we will take ten men of the hundred throughout all the tribes of Israel, a hundred of the thousand, a thousand of the ten thousand, to fetch victuals for the people that they may go and then su supplies, food and supplies, that they may go and when they come to Gibeah of Benjamin, according to all the folly that they have wrought in Israel. So all the men of Israel were gathered against the city, net together as one man, and the tribes of Israel sent men through all the tribes of Benjamin, saying, What wickedness is this that this has done among you? Now therefore deliver us the men, the children of uh, Belial, which are of Gibeah, that we may put them to death and put the evil away from Israel. But the children of Benjamin would not hearken to the voice of their brethren, the children of Israel. But the children of Benjamin gathered themselves together out of the cities of Gib uh, to the city of, uh, cities of Gibeah to go out to battle against the children of Israel. You know, this is all one nation. They're all Jewish people. They're all Hebrews. They're all one. It's just 12 different tribes, and we've got the 11 against the, the one here now. So it says here, and the children of Benjamin were numbered at that time out of the cities, 20 and 6,000 men that drew swords besides the inhabitants of Gibeah, which were of the number of 700 chosen men. That's very small compared to 400,000. So we've got a small number, as I said, Benjamin's a very small tribe, the least of the brethren. Verse 16, among all this people were 700 chosen left-handed, everyone who sling uh, could sling stones at a hair's breadth and not miss. Okay, so it kind of gives you their expertise as, you know, fighting soldiers, these men of Gibeah. 
And the men of Israel, uh, besides Benjamin, were numbered 400,000 men that drew swords, all those that were men of war. And the children of Israel rose up and went up to the house of God and asked, here's, here, here they did, they didn't just go out, they asked God, they asked God, they, they, they asked God's counsel and asked, and which of us shall go up first to the battle against the children of Benjamin? And the Lord said, Judah shall go out. Well, Judah, you know what, pr- Judah is the, it's the tribe of what? Judah is praise, right? If we were to be speaking on another message, we'd use 2 Chronicles chapter 20, and we'd talk about uh, Jehoshaphat and how he sent uh, the praisers in front. And so this all, you know, makes sense. God chose, and God, God was not mixed up. God said, send the praisers out in front. I want my praisers out in front. That makes sense. We've seen, we've seen this before. So he says, send, uh, send out Judah first. And the children of Israel rose up in the morning and encamped against Gibeah, and the men of Israel went out to battle against Benjamin. And the men of Israel put themselves in array to fight against Gibeah. So here, let's get this straight. We've got inquiry. God, what do you want us to do? I want you to receive a revival and a mockery. Do we have directives? We've got to get directives. Yes, here's your directives. I'm giving you four major pillars to major on with an underneath base of a born-again truth meaning the power of the born-again nature and intimacy as the forefront and I want you to follow these and if you'll do this at the end of it you'll receive everything that I've told you to do you'll receive the outpouring so they've they've inquired God gave direction put the praisers out in front and the children of, ben- of Benjamin came forth out of Gibeah. So here they're at. They're at the city gates. The children of Benjamin came forth out of Gibeah and destroyed down to the ground of the Israelites that day 20 and 2,000 men. Everybody say with me, if you would, please just pleasure me by saying this, down to the ground. <laughs> Have you ever heard anybody say, I will beat you down to the ground? I will beat you. I will beat you. Well, that day, they, there was almost no, if there was, it doesn't even mention, Gibeah suffered hardly any loss. You've got directive. You've got obedience to the directive. And Gibeah comes out and they beat down to the ground. The word says here, that day, 22,000 men. Immokalee's just over that, oh, I think 25, 26, if you'll go, if you'll Google it. Uh, it meant the whole city of Immokalee is basically wiped out and destroyed in one day's time. And the people of uh, the men of Israel encouraged themselves. In other words, come on, buck up, guy. I don't under- Do you understand what happened today? I don't understand. Do you understand? No, I don't understand. But let's, let's encourage ourselves. Keep going. I don't, know how, I don't know what happened today. They encouraged themselves and set their battle array in the place where they had put themselves the first day. And the children of Israel went up and wept before the Lord until evening and asked counsel of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up ag- again to battle against the children of Benjamin? Now put, look at this. They put this on there. My brother, and the Lord said, Go up against him. They go up and say, Lord, okay, wait a minute. We prayed. You said. We followed. No success. Absolute contradiction. 
let's get this a little bit tighter. Let's ratchet this down a little bit further. Lord, um, uh, should I go up against my brother? Do you know? Do you understand that he is of the seed of Abraham? Do you understand? <laughs> See, I'm laughing. What are you laughing about? Because I love people that are formula people. Well, I'm I'm being a little sarcastic. Because the last part of this lesson, you're going to find out that all of it is teaching is perseverance, endurance against all contradiction. Formula people like to find, they'll search everything they possibly can to find that there is some kind of, oh, they didn't cross their T or dot their I correctly. That must be the reason why that they suffered repeated defeats. Oh, I found the formula. I think somebody's even wrote me before and said, I think it was this, that the reason why they didn't uh, get their first success. I can tell you this, there's no formulas to be found in here. Just continued obedience. It's the Old Testament rendition of the New Testament truth that we are in a spiritual warfare wrestling against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, and spiritual wickedness in high places. One of my heroes like Homer is uh, Pastor Alan Taylor, who in his 40s suffered a stroke And uh, he very nicely talks about Job's comforters that came to him with formulas. Well, maybe it was, you know, being nice. Maybe it was this. Maybe it was that. Maybe it's just hell. And I'm not cussing. War is hell. Maybe it's just hell coming against you to stop you. And he'd be real nice to them. Because, see, people, I think people that are really a little bit insecure with the, with the notion that God is absolute and when he gives you a directive doesn't mean your immediate success, it just means war. And then they try to figure out something to help their minds because their minds goes a, di a million different ways. Maybe God's not everything that I thought he was. Maybe he'll let me down. He will not let you down. So Job's comforters came to Alan. They said, well, it might have been this and this, this and this. No, it's just called hell. Now, is there promises against that? Absolutely. Was that God's will? Absolutely not. Is there promises against it? Alan will tell you. Yes, there is. But that's hell. That's fight. That's, that's a war. Alan, he, he handled it a lot better than I did. <laughs> I'd have told him, as soon as I get out of this wheelchair, I'm coming to get you. With a mafia voice. Make sure you lock your doors at night. I don't need no formulas. Hallelujah. What verse were we in? Somebody help me. 24, you think? And the children of Israel came near against Oak. So they said, do we go, Lord, do we go out against our brother? Let's get real concise here or precise. And the Lord said, go up against him. And the children of Israel came near against the children of Benjamin the second day. And, the Benjamin, and Benjamin went forth against them out of Gibeah the second day and destroyed everybody. Say it with me. Down to the ground. Here's your second beating. Wait a minute. I got the word. Then I went back to confirm the word. And he said, yeah, that's what I told you. And then after he told them, we got to get a formula here. We're missing. 
maybe we cocked the maybe we cocked the ark just wrong, or maybe did you uh, when you went in there to pray, did you say uh, these and thou's just correctly? What part of the formula did you miss? Because we're missing something. No, you're not missing anything. You're just in hell. You're in a war. You're in a fight. And the contradiction is coming against you that this don't work and God's word's not real and God's commandment. Benjamin went forth against them out of Gibeah the second day and destroyed down to the ground the children of Israel against 18,000 men, all that drew sword. Then all of Israel and all the people went up and came into the house of the Lord and wept and sat. Well, I guess so. I mean, this is like, remember what Paul said? Paul said, perplexed but not in despair. You don't think there wasn't times that Paul said after his, after his beating, after his stoning, is like, I mean, he, five times his stripes are like, did I miss it? Did I miss when you told me to go to this city? And then I just got beat and thrown out on my keister? I mean, where's the success? Where's the confirmation of success? And God said, no, the confirmation is in your contradiction. It's the war that you're in, Paul. Well, they inquired of the Lord and said, Lord, Again, you know, they're, now they're now they're in now they're in perplex, but they're not in despair. Or they are they are these are and the children of Israel inquired of the Lord for the Ark of the Covenant was there in those days. And Phinehas and Eleazar and the sons of Aaron stood before it in those days, saying, shall I yet go up against the children of Benjamin, my brother? Or shall I cease? And the Lord said, go up for tomorrow. I will deliver them out of thine hands. Well, why didn't he do it the first time? I can tell you this. It's a war. It was his desire, victory from the first day. But listen, God expects human beings to be the ones to go into the war. Listen, this, you, you need to read, you, you need to read Pastor Jim's uh, August letter. It's an incredible letter, wonderful letter. He doesn't get political, but he talks about some of the stuff. America's, we're at where we're at because of people. God doesn't vote. God doesn't even make people vote the way he wants them. People put people into office. Somebody said, I don't know why God allowed that. God didn't allow it. People did that. People did that. The battle at hand is whether or not you and I will go in and stay on our faces before the Lord and continue to win against all contradiction. Revivalists are those who are willing to fight. Well, Pastor, you'll never have a big church. That's not what we're after. But please, stick around. Or just, no, I'm not going to say that. Stick around. Stick around. Because I can promise you, as sure as the day is long and the <laughs> summer's hot, <laughs> there are multitudes and multitudes and multitudes will be part of this. Hallelujah. Well, let's find the end of this and move on. And we've got, we, we, we got to stand and praise for just a moment. And the Bible says, uh, shall I yet 
they said, Shall I yet go out of battle again of the children against the children of Benjamin, my brethren? And shall I, uh, or shall I cease? God, do you want me to stop? Yeah, we've lost 40,000 men, but should I just go ahead and call that water under the bridge? And the Lord says, Go up, for tomorrow I will deliver them into thy hands. And Israel set liars in the wait against Gibeah. And the children of Israel went up against the children of Benjamin on the third day and put themselves in array against the children of Gibeah as, as at other times. And the children of Benjamin went out against the people and drawn away from the city. And they began to smite the people and kill as at other times in the highway of which one goeth up to the house of God and other to Gibeah into the field. And about 30 men of them was Israel. I'm going to skip on down the Benjamin... Uh, and the children of Benjamin. Let me skip on down because I just want to, I could just tell you that there came, let's, in the verse 35, and it says, and the Lord smote Benjamin before Israel. And the children of Israel destroyed of the Benjamin that day 20 and 5,000. Remember, that's about everybody. That's all they had. He smote every one of them, a hundred men, and those uh, 25 thousand and a hundred men on all these that drew the sword so we could go on i have the whole chapter there in front of me you can read it later it's interesting story but on the third day it was total annihilation total annihilation um some people don't understand the old testament annihilations of everybody was a typification of what we're supposed to be fighting in the spirit if you're a now, here's, here comes from my father in spirit, Pastor Dave. He used to use the word, excuse me, panty waste. Yeah, Pastor Dave would say, if you're a panty waste, you're not willing to go the, go the distance. <laughs> when I first came to Immokalee, I was 37, and I loved football. And I found that the, some of the men in here, they love football even more than me. Homer was a coach and uh he coached uh peewee football at pop warner and uh did a good job and he was with another man in this church that i love still love and uh is no longer with us but uh he he coached many of these guys carl went on to be come up through the ranks and go on to play college football and and uh we, we've had many of these we've had many of professional guys that are in the pros now come into this church serve under homer's ministry i was thinking about candy and i finally after months we finally got a day uh to you know rest a little bit down at the beach this past thursday and i thought candy i didn't even tell her i thought man i, I threw to some professional football players well, there was a day we had a beach day and this is way back years ago and i remember we chose sides back in the day when i was younger i could throw the football i could throw it at distances and so i got to throw to the alexander brothers and different ones and and we played football that day and so believe me listen i'm somebody because i've thrown to professional players okay i've thrown the football listen and uh so when we first got here we this field over here was a football field we played all the time didn't we we played all the time and uh, Mavis, she would, she was, she would hit the guys as much as the <laughs> the guys would. She was tough, and and so uh, we just had a good time. And uh, I remember though these guys because th they were they were really. I mean, I thought I was into football. These guys were really into football. They were not only coached, they loved. Uh, you know, it's all about the. And I'm doing that for the big guy back there. Okay, uh, so Arnold loved that. 
And uh, so I would, uh, I would go to the games, go to the Friday night games and support. And listen, there was years where the road to championships came through Immokalee. It really did. We had, those kinda, had that kind of year. I remember the year, I'm trying to put this together, and I was thinking about this this morning. I remember the year that we went to the state and won the state that year. And it was in my favorite place. It's in the swamp in Gainesville. Hallelujah. And that was, uh, there you go, Corey. We, it, they, we won it partly because we were there. I know that. You know, no, it was, a, it was a, one of those last, I think it was 43-yard field goal or something like that. It was just incredible. What a day. We all, we traveled well. Immokalee traveled well. We went up. But I'm getting somewhere because these guys, uh, Homer included, probably, Maybe I'm going to bl- blame him pr- one of the most with the other guys. These guys taught me because they were, they were avid coaches, and, and uh, they, they taught me a, another level of warfare as in uh, opposition against your team. And, I, you know, I would, I, would, I would cheer for my team and, you know, so-so for the, those guys lost or whatever. But uh, I remember the year that we went to the state and – of course, another thing is the state usually goes through Miami. You have to go. You have to beat a, a East Coast team to get someplace if you're going to go to the to the state championship. Well, we were over there, and I went over there with Homer, <laughs> this this other guy. Most of you know, and uh, so we're we're on the edge of our seat the whole game, and we're fighting back and forth. We know we got to beat them to get to Gainesville, and uh, so finally, it, you could tell. It, it was us. It, it, we we had enough, and we had enough clock. Uh, they didn't have enough clock left, and we, and we were, you know, we knew that it was a mockley, and we knew we're headed to the state. Well, I kind of always had been, you know, raised and taught, you know, like uh, when you beat somebody, kind of pick them up, and brush them off a little bit, and say good good job, good game. Not these guys. <laughs> no, 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 no. They don't, bl- that's, that's, that's pantyweight stuff. That's pantyweight stuff. So here comes your beloved Homer, your beloved Pastor Homer, and, and this other guy, and they start this whole thing, you know, in the bleachers or whatever. Na, 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 na. Come on, you, most of you know, hey, 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 goodbye. Come on, na, 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 na. Hey, 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 goodbye. And it's like you're telling the other side in your face. If you don't catch that in this hour against your spiritual enemy, if you don't go to a place where you say, I'm forsaken all, I'm laying this all down, and I'm going forward into the fullness, and without all contradiction, no matter, no matter what contradictions are in front of me, They mean nothing. In fact, contradictions are my confirmation. They are absolutely. Pastor, we're on the right track because it seems like there's so much that's not going our way. My God. Hallelujah. I want us to stand. It's a real early hour of 12 o'clock. I've told you to not get used to uh, making appointments later. Hallelujah. Marty's going to put on something. I'm going to ask you to once again, we, had, we did this a couple weeks ago, but I'm going to ask you to come and facilitate a place, a proper physical position. And I'm going to ask you to come to the front, as many of you will. Come on, let's move out. We're going to just rejoice just a little bit. 
all during the day, I want you to think about something. Anytime you think about this church, if you think about contradictions to this ministry, I want you to think about this. Na, 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 na. Come on now. Na, 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 na. Hey, hey, hey. Goodbye. Now, who are you singing it to? You're singing it to the devil. Na, 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 na. Na, 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 na. Hey, hey, hey. Goodbye. See, these guys taught me. Uh, I said, you guys are me. They said, no. We beat these guys down. And we want them to know that we beat them down. Don't take it easy on your enemy, the devil. Hallelujah. Homer, did you do it? Did you do what I said you did? D is over at the game? Give me a confirmation. Oh, yeah. I still do it now. <laughs> I still do it now. Please don't take it easy on your enemy. Please don't take it easy on your, your spiritual enemy. Let's praise the Lord just for a few moments before we go out of here today. Give ourselves unto worship, praise. Marty, give us something, please. Hallelujah.